This is the Joe and Amber podcast. Yates going in on me this morning when I joined Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max. Joe, he cannot understand why I don't like the impromptu FaceTime. You know, as a guest, they're supposed to roll out the red carpet for you. They're not supposed to make life uncomfortable, disagreeable, create all these. You were brought on that show to deliver beautiful, insightful analysis as to the Miami-Boston series. That is right in your wheelhouse, amongst Mm -hmm. many other things. And for the segment to devolve like that is just classic, shameless sports talk radio. (laughs) Which Uh, I have no problem doing tonight on this show either. It's how it goes on that show. Uh, It's funny because, of course, we were having that conversation off air, all of us, before we went in from break. I didn't actually expect them to start there with me. I should have known because that's what we all do here often, right? A a little look behind the curtain. But it was funny because I was the one who had to bring the conversation. Like, I tried to steer the conversation back to the heat. (laughs) I'm like, you know what's good? Also, the Miami Heat. I'm like, you know who's young and probably uses FaceTime? Everybody playing in this game tonight. So I'm trying to steer because I only have a small window here to spread my heat propaganda and I've got to do it while I can. Now, I was supposed to be on the heat propaganda world tour today. I was very excited about that. I was supposed to appear on KJM this morning. Well, I was supposed to appear on Greenie this uh, late morning as well. And the Greenie producers reach out to me and they said, well, since you were just on Keyshawn, JOL and Max, we're going to bump you to Friday. And I wrote back. Is it a little too much heat amber on ESPN radio at one time, you know? And the answer to that was yes. We got to spread the takes around. You know what? That might be what makes them feel better about themselves. Let me ask you something. Who was hosting that show this morning? Was it Mike Greenberg or was it CNC Music Factory? I mean, we both, we all know who was hosting yeah, that show today. I think we all know, yeah. I think you, we you all know, know the answer. You dodged the bullet. Question. You didn't want to spend your. You don't want to waste your time. Yucking it up with those two. Okay, I'm not even going to say their names, but CNC Music Factory, you don't want to muck it up with those two guys. You have better things to do, like prepare for this fine program. Uh, prepare for this fine program and prepare for this game tonight. My head is in the game. 8.30 p.m. tip-off between my Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. That means coverage begins right here on ESPN Radio at 8 p.m. Joe and Amber's presented by Progressive Insurance. So tune in tonight. That is game one of the Eastern Conference Finals presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and, of course, on Sirius XM Channel 80. And let's talk about this matchup because this is an easy one on paper, Joe. On paper, overwhelmingly, the Boston Celtics should win this series. They are the better team. The problem for the Celtics is the series is not played on paper. It's played on the hardwood. And it's very hard to evaluate this Heat team when you come off of the paper because the paper has everything to do with including the entire bottle of body of work, which also includes a regular season. And the Heat tend to have a tendency to do this, where the regular season doesn't look anything like the same team playing in the postseason. So let's start with the odds to give people perspective as to what Vegas thinks about this. ESPN Analytics says Miami has a 3% chance of winning this series. A bit of a slap in the face, I would say, to Miami fans, but so be it. That's what the numbers say in that respective model. The series price, according to our friends at Caesars here in Vegas, Miami is a plus 410 underdog. Boston is a minus 540 favorite. That means you have to risk 540 bucks to win 100 bucks on the Celtics winning the series. That minus 540 implies that they have an 84% chance of winning this series. Do I see the Celtics as a favorite? Yeah, absolutely. Should they win the series? Yeah. Are they that big of a favorite? I don't necessarily agree. But when it comes to game one, the same thing's happening. All right? 
Miami opens as an eight-point dog. A lot of us feel that that's too many points to give a Heat team that knows how to keep games close. It's now up to eight and a half, so it's been Boston money. Another surprise here, a lot of money on the over. This game opened around 207 and a half, 208. It's now up to 212, if I'm reading this correctly. So overall, that's what you're seeing. The Heat have been absolute dogs throughout the course of the postseason. I worry, though. And I wonder, as a Heat fan, how much you worry about this, if some of those poor shooting nights are going to catch up to them in this series. Because they have they got away with some duds against the Knicks only because the Knicks were so much worse. Right. They did. Now, they were able to. And also, Jimmy Butler was dealing with an ankle injury. You didn't need those monster offensive performances that you got from him in the first series against the Bucks. You didn't need those against the Knicks. Nevertheless, I think you're probably going to need at least quite a few of those against the Boston Celtics. Again, the Celtics on paper are easily the better team. The Celtics are better when you look at the roster. I mean, there's, what, seven undrafted players on this Miami Heat team? There's four in heavy in the rotation. This is a Miami Heat team that doesn't have Tyler Hero playing. I mean, it's pretty inconceivable that they're here. And yet, they're here again and again. And these are the two teams that we've seen dominate the Eastern Conference, frankly, over the last decade. Now, I'm surprised to hear about the spread tonight, really, because that seems like a large spread for a team in Boston coming off of Game 7. I understand they're on their home court tonight, but after Game 7, post-Game 7 teams are 33-52 and 52 since 1988. So you're talking about a big hangover when you have to play a game seven. That seems like something that could catch up to Boston a bit tonight. It's an and interesting I'm not, angle. I'm not, it, you know, I think, I'm, and I, again, I'm not necessarily, I'm just talking about the actual spread. I'm not necessarily saying straight up. No, of course. But that spread seems like a hefty one when Historically, Boston just took it to seven. We just saw this in the last series with the Lakers and the Warriors. The Warriors came off that seven-game series. They beat the Kings. They roll in the game one on 48 hours, turn around, Lakers smack them in their own home gym. That's the thought process for what happens to teams coming off at Game 7. One thing to keep in mind here, the Game 7 for the Celtics was on Sunday afternoon, so you had the recovery time Sunday night, and you didn't have to play Tuesday. You are playing Wednesday, so you get the extra day. But Miami having an extra two days of rest, being very well coached, coming out blazing on the road in both series so far. They went to Milwaukee in Game 1 and got a victory. They went to New York in Game 1 and got a victory. I don't see why they can't keep it close tonight unless they just have a very, very poor shooting night. Two teams that absolutely love to bomb threes. Whoever gets hot wins this one. It's funny, actually, ideology-wise, these are two very similar teams. In fact, Boston is kind of everything that Miami wants to be, right? Like Both of these teams, defensive-minded teams, and they like to kill you from behind the arc. And Boston does it statistically a little bit better than Miami does it. But again, Miami in the postseason is a very different Miami team than the Miami team that we saw all season long. The Celtics, though are not a good team in the fourth quarter when you take the entire body of work. That's been their worst quarter all season long. That's Miami's best quarter all season long and including very much in this postseason. So it's not necessarily how hot of a start Miami gets out tonight. It's how Miami finishes. They're like that gnat that won't go away, that just keeps buzzing around you and buzzing around you and buzzing around you. It's what they do in the series overall. They elongate the series. They are very hard to get to go away, even when on paper they are the lesser team. And it's what they do in the actual games as well. They just wear you down and wear you down. That could catch up to the Celtics because, again, the Celtics are not a team that finishes well. 
but they get out so far ahead of their opponents early on that sometimes they can survive that storm. They're not going to necessarily be able to do that against the Miami Heat team that all it knows how to do is if finish. you've ever seen the movie Rounders, Teddy KGB sums up the Miami Heat perfectly when he talks about alligator blood. They've got alligator blood. It's tough to kill them. Mm-hmm. And when it's tough to kill a team like that, covering eight and a half, hey, I can get on board with something like that. We were definitely going to continue to talk about this game out throughout the show tonight. But coming up next, what was Joel Embiid's reaction to Joe's 76ers firing Doc Rivers? We will get into that. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Joel Embiid, not so happy that the Philadelphia 76ers got rid of Doc Rivers as the head coach. We will get into his reaction just in moments. However, first, we've got to get Joe's advice. It's what he does best. Let's do it. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Tough beat on the Nuggets. Tough beat on the Nuggets last night with Jokic missing that free throw late, but the show goes on. One and two, but we only lost six-tenths of a unit because we hit the Jokic three-pointer over, which paid plus 180. So overall, as a show, 116 wins, 107 defeats, plus 13.96 units. Back-to-back plays in the Miami game tonight. We'll start with Miami plus eight and a half against Boston. Celtics have had some head-scratchers. This postseason, game five against the Hawks. They were at home. They couldn't close them out. Game one against the Sixers. No Joel Embiid. They lose outright. They've been erratic. I can't get behind a team that's erratic like that. Miami catching a lot of points. They play tough. Game one against Milwaukee. They put up a 13-point win on the road. Game one against the Knicks. They put up a seven-point win on the road. They got alligator blood. Give me the heat plus eight and a half. In addition, Jason Tatum over Four and a half assists. It's juicy at minus 150, but he's crossed this mark in eight of his last nine playoff games. He went over the mark in five of seven playoff games against Miami last year. Eventually, they're going to bump this up to six, in my opinion, or I should say five, five and a half, 
but it's still four and a half, so we'll play it. First two pizza monies of the night, Miami plus eight and a half over the Celtics. Jason Tatum over four and a half assists. How has your relationship been with Doc, and would you like to see him back? Uh, I mean, I don't, okay, our relationship is okay. Breaking news. The Philadelphia 76ers have fired their head coach, Doc Rivers. Joey and Amber's presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive can help you protect your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, ATV, and RV. And if something wasn't mentioned that you had in mind, find out if it can be covered at Progressive.com or at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE because it probably can be. So you heard it there. The Philadelphia 76ers, they got rid of Doc Rivers as their head coach. Shocking to some, not so shocking to others. Daryl Morey, the 76ers general manager, was in front of microphones today, and he was asked what his superstar Joel Embiid's reaction to the firing of Doc Rivers was. They had a strong relationship. I mean, I have to make tough calls all the time with trades. Joel was disappointed and, you know, some of it was he didn't know the player we were getting in the trade who ended up helping us, but he was disappointed in the players that went out. I think it's natural to be very close with the people in the locker room. Um, He was very close with Coach Rivers. Yeah, he was shocked about the change, and it's my job to uh, help convince him that the new coach is someone that he'll have a great relationship with as well. So it sounds like from what Daryl Morey is saying, Joel Embiid wasn't necessarily signing off on the firing of Doc Rivers and certainly wasn't advocating for the firing of Doc Rivers. What do you make of that, Joe? Not sure why he's banged up about it. Wasn't he the same guy talking about how late in game six, no one was getting him the ball? Mm -hmm. Isn't that a coaching thing? That's somebody's problem because after they blew that game in game six against the Celtics, when Jason Tatum had an off night, when Jalen Brown had an off night, when you finally had a chance to take the next step, and get this franchise to the conference finals, you went MIA. And you said late, they just didn't get me the ball. They didn't get me the ball over the last four and a half minutes. So that's either your fault or it's Rivers' fault. Someone's head's got to roll. It's not going to be you. So Rivers is on his way out the door. And if you're upset he's gone, maybe have a better game seven in the most crucial game of the series and of the season. You scored 15 points on five of 18 shooting in a closeout game. That's what get coaches fired. Because they're not moving on from you, so someone's got to pay, and Rivers is the guy that's going to pay for it. Right. Uh, Every time, especially with the record that you mentioned that Doc Rivers has, the track record, but also the inability to get the most out of his players. And that's just what has come down to this postseason for several coaches, right? When you have these superstars, when you have Joel Embiid, when you have Giannis, when you have Kevin Durant and you can't get out of the first or second round, what that often boils down to is, okay, these guys, this coaching staff isn't getting the most out of these guys who we know are great. And so it's a nod, I guess, from the organization to Joel Embiid. Hey, this is your greatness. And so somebody else is going to take the fall because we don't think it could possibly be your fault. Or even if it is your fault, we're not doing anything about it, right? You would expect that the 76ers probably aren't looking to move on from Joel Embiid. But what's interesting here is, if Joel Embiid is disgruntled by some of these decisions, and I never know what to believe, Daryl Morey could just be saying the right thing and kind of taking the heat off Joel Embiid. For all we know, he wanted Doc Rivers fired, right? Morey's not going to come out and tell the media that. He's probably going to try
try to come out and protect his player and say the nice things. That's probably what Joel Embiid would want him to say, frankly, either way. But if, in fact, he was upset that they got rid of Doc Rivers, if, in fact, he is becoming disgruntled by some of these decisions within the organization, then it could lead one to wonder if Joel Embiid, at some point, is going to want out of Philadelphia. Kendrick Perkins, ESPN's NBA analyst, was on Fitz and Harry and said that Joel Embiid should ask for a trade. If I'm Joel Embiid, get out, especially if they give James Harden a new contract. Because all of a sudden, Joel Embiid, you're going to be very, very frustrated. You're going to be more frustrated now if they if you have to deal with Dale Moore and James Harden than you were with Ben Simmons. I would get out. I would get out. One, how do you not consult with your MVP about the firing of a coach? How do you not even think about talking to him about that? You know why you don't think about talking about it? Because your focus wasn't about uh, Joel and B. Your focus, again, is about your love affair with James Harden. I mean, listen, as a Miami Heat fan, he's best friends with Jimmy Butler. I'll take it. Like, let, All right, Riley, let's find a way to, to get uh, Joel Embiid on this Heat team. I don't know if I believe it. If I'm the 76ers, and this is your team, Joe, so I want to hear your thoughts on this, I'm not moving on from a player like Joel Embiid because Joel Embiid's don't grow on trees. And, oh, by the way, he right now is the currently reigning MVP playing at the height of his game. I agree with Perk insofar as if Harden gets extended in Philadelphia, then I would ask for a trade as well. I wouldn't want to be anywhere near that guy. I I, I don't know what else. Need. The only guy on earth convinced James Harden can deliver in the postseason is the one guy who has the job of making that decision in Philadelphia in Daryl Morey. Like Morey will go to bat for this guy forever, despite the fact that we have all seen Harden is not a closer. Harden puts up some nice numbers, but there are times where you need dogs to go out and make plays. He's not that guy. Game six, game seven. He shoots seven of 27 from the floor, one of 11 from deep, 22 total points, 10 turnovers. That is the entire story of his career. And he's fading. He's nowhere near the guy he was when he faded in game seven with the Rockets and when he bought bomb out of the playoffs years ago. He doesn't have the same skill set. What Philadelphia needs is toughness. They had it with Butler. They chose Simmons instead. Fine, you can't rectify that. But you have got to get some toughness on this team because Embiid isn't tough enough. Tobias Harris isn't tough enough. James Harden certainly isn't tough enough. It is a soft organization that continues to wilt in every big spot. You need to bring some dogs in who can take this thing to the next level because Embiid is not that guy. He's a great basketball player, but he ain't the dog who's going to put it on his back and go out and win game seven, as we once again just saw on Sunday. There's a clip of Jimmy Butler where he's yelling, Tobias Harris over me? You wanted Tobias Harris over me? He feels like it was Harris that they ended up choosing over him, whether it was Simmons or Harris, obviously a very bad decision there by the 76ers. But I do wonder, since we mentioned there, the Miami Heat, what would Spo look like if he's coaching Joel Embiid and James Harden, by the way? Like if he's coaching those guys at Maxi, like if he's got that roster, would he be winning championships? I feel like maybe he would. So maybe Doc Rivers is, in fact, somewhat the problem. We will see, because either way, the 76ers are going to have a new head coach at the helm when next season rolls around, whether Joel Embiid's there or not. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Heat, 
Celtics tonight. Game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. That game tips at 8.30 p.m. Eastern coverage begins on most ESPN radio stations at 8 p.m. Eastern and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Joe and Amber here on ESPN Radio. All you have to do is tell your smart speakers to play ESPN Radio to hear us. It is that simple. Find him on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. For a job you'll love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. So let's bring in some help to talk about game one of the ECF. Nick Friedel, ESPN NBA reporter, joining us now. And Nick, thanks so much for joining us. We got the word that Robert Williams is in the starting lineup tonight for the Boston Celtics. What do you expect in this game tonight from Bam? Because he had a fabulous series against the Knicks. It didn't look quite as good against the Bucks. But traditionally here, Robert Williams, particularly in that seven-game series in the ECF last year, has sort of taken Bam's lunch money at times. What do you think you're going to get out of that matchup? <laughs> well, Amber, as a Heat fan, you know exceedingly well what can happen, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially yeah. with that matchup. But with Bam in general, if Bam is right and defensively he is setting the tone for the rest of the group, the Heat are going to be in good shape. I, I still think that Boston finds a way in this series. But Bam is so important defensively. And the issue that we've seen for Miami repeatedly is when Bam's playing well and, and Jimmy's Jimmy, okay, But there are too many times that Bam just disappears. And whether it's Robert Williams giving him problems or it's the the structure uh, of different teams, specifically the Celtics team that they've seen so often the last few years, when he isn't a force on that side, they are in trouble. So if you want to see not only what happens tonight, but what happens in this series moving forward, Jimmy's not really the guy to focus on, in my opinion. It's Bam. And if he can be that guy defensively they need, uh, they are going to be right there with Boston all the way through. On one hand, you've watched the Heat through two series now. They upset the Bucks. They hammer the Knicks. People are thinking this is a very good basketball team. I'm not trying to take anything away from that. On the other side, Vegas is pricing this as an absolute blowout. And I can't help but look back in that series against the Knicks where Miami shot like 43% from the field for the entire series. And somehow in the year 2023 of our Lord, one in six in this era of basketball. And I'm thinking to myself, were the Knicks so bad that we think more of the heat than we possibly should? They could not make a shot to save their life, Mr. Ford Ball. (laughs) And and, (laughs) watching those games, they were just rock fights. They were terrible, yes. terrible games. I mean, it was it was really ugly. Uh, but I would say this, and this goes back to the the heat culture that everybody rolls their eyes at outside of Miami and and outside of that locker room. Those guys all believe the Heat do that they will always find a way, and the three of us know that that is not always the case in the NBA. Uh, you have a lot of teams that start missing shots or start blowing defensive assignments. That's it. You know, they're done for the night. The Heat will continue to work through whatever they've got going on, and that is important. But uh, I think what it shows me is that uh, the the Knicks weren't that good, and certainly offensively, Joe, they were so bad aside from Brunson in those last few games. But 
it really shows me how bad the Cavs were. I mean, a four seed that just got completely demolished by a Knicks team that, that then went to the next round against an eight seed in Miami and, and couldn't match up and didn't live up to the moment. So uh, I think that Boston will have it pretty easy here, and I'm banking on that because of the fact that they've messed around so much against Atlanta and Philly. But this is not the team, this Miami team, that you want to screw around with, especially early in a series, because they have so much confidence playing behind Jimmy that if you let them get rolling, we've seen what they can, can do now over and over again. ESPN NBA reporter Nick Friedle joining us here on Joe and Amber. I can tell you guys, as a Heat fan, one of the most infuriating things ever is that the Heat play to their competition. And the Heat played to their competition as well in this postseason. Like, it works out pretty well when it's the Bucks and the Celtics, right? Because they also play to that competition. But then they play the New York Knicks, and they play to that competition. It's just the, and it's been like this all season long. It is the experience of the Heat fan. So the Knicks couldn't find offense, and lo and behold, the Heat couldn't find offense either. I wanted to ask you, Nick, about one of the things that I think is going to be key in this series, and that is the turnover margins. Because the Celtics are a team that typically protects the basketball. They don't tend to turn over the ball. But the Heat like to kind of create those turnovers. They like the steals. Gabe Vincent's good for a couple of those every single game. And Jason Tatum and even Jalen Brown have struggled against this Heat team in the past in terms of turnovers. Like, we've seen Jason Tatum have six, seven turnover games against the Miami Heat. Do you think that could end up being the case here or is that just maybe more about what was mentally going on with Tatum last year and it has no bearing on what's going to happen in this year's conference finals Amber I think it could be and when you see a team as much as these two teams have seen each other there is a comfort level on both sides (laughs) like nothing's a surprise anymore between the Heat and the Celtics because they've seen it so often The thing that would worry me if you're a Heat fan looking at this particular series is for as much confidence as they have behind Jimmy and the momentum they have built, they're just not as good top to bottom as they were a year ago. Because as we know, a year ago, there was P.J. Tucker. There was Tyler Hero helping them offensively. What concerns me, and it's a good point about the turnovers, because Miami's defense has to show up every night if they have a chance. But what's concerning, having now watched them in that first playing game against the Hawks over the last couple weeks and covering that Knicks series, offensively, there is not a lot there. So you need Jimmy to play at an incredibly high level. You need Bam to do what Bam can do at both ends of the floor. But you also need Gabe Vincent, Max Struess. You need guys that aren't usually as consistent night to night to show up and hit big shots Uh, repeatedly. And that's where I think this uh, could go south a little bit for the Heat. I say that, though, as somebody who watched the Bucs series like everybody else and who watched them just dominate uh, the Knicks at at various points when they needed to. So I don't think anything's out of a question. And certainly Miami has a chance behind Jimmy. But this Celtics team is different. They're more talented top to bottom. And if they are mentally locked in from the start, that's where I think it gets tricky uh, for the Heat. Nick Friedle, ESPN NBA reporter. Nick, thanks so much for your time. Always, guys. Talk to you later. He's mentioning there what Jimmy's going to have to do because of the lack of offense around him. And 
He's certainly not lying. Like, remember when they played the Milwaukee Bucks, we are talking about a Jimmy Butler who averaged, Joe, averaged 37.6 points per game in that series. It was insane because he had the 35, 41, and, you know, he can put up these insane numbers, but he didn't have to against the Knicks. So you didn't see any of that against the Knicks. Also, the ankle injury might have had something to do with that. We don't know how healthy he is at this point. I would imagine that from a Jimmy Butler perspective, he's going to have to look a whole lot more like the guy who played Milwaukee than the guy who played New York. I think they could play the way they did in Milwaukee and still lose this series. I, I really? and this isn't to, this isn't to knock them. They've been fantastic. It's just that Tatum can have an off night and Jalen Brown can step up. Jalen Brown can have an off night and Jason Tatum can step up. The two can have off nights as they did in game six against the Sixers and the team can still win the game. There are options up and down both offensively and defensively. There are adjustments to be made. Coach Spo has done a remarkable job with this Miami team, but once Butler doesn't get going, let's assume he has a couple off nights, what else is there? How else are you going to generate 105 points if Jimmy Butler is not having a big night? Now, on the other side with Boston, they've had their lapses this year. Game five against Atlanta, that's a head-scratcher. How could they not close that out? Game one against the Sixers with no Embiid, how do you not win that game? They've been sloppy at times. And that's what Miami's going to need to do. They're going to need to find a way to just hang tight and make a move in the fourth quarter. It is never going to look pretty. It will not. I can guarantee you nothing in this series will look like what we saw last night in Denver. That was beautiful offensive basketball. (laughs) You will get none of that in this series, and you will like it. I mean, you may get a little of it if the shots are actually falling for both of these teams, right? Because they are two teams that that love to shoot from behind the arc. But man, last night was so ridiculous. And it was such beautiful basketball. And it was so well done. It was awesome. And I know a lot of people who are Eastern Conference fans were looking at that game and thinking, eh, I don't know about this one. <laughs> Whichever of these teams we face at the NBA Finals, I don't know about this one particularly. Woo, that Denver Nuggets team. Nevertheless, somebody is going to be facing one of those teams in the West. It will either be Boston or the Miami Heat. We will find out a little bit more, shed a little bit more light on that tonight when Game 1 tips off at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Coverage begins right here on most ESPN radio stations in a little less than 20 minutes from now. But coming up next, we're going to stick with analyzing Game 1. There's still more that we want to get into. Plus, we'll mention what Jokic did last night. That dude is good. ESPN radio is also on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. We head towards game one of the Eastern Conference Finals tonight. That coverage begins in about 15 minutes from now. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. Find him on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. Before we get more into Heat Celtics, let's go ahead and try to earn you a little bit more money. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. All right, I've got three here, so pay attention. We bounce around quite a bit. Number one, it's a four-round matchup play for the PGA Championship, which gets underway from Oak Hill tomorrow. It is Hideki Matsuyama, minus 130 over Jordan Spieth. So whoever plays better, whoever finishes better in this tournament, even if they both miss the cut, whoever's got the better score, that's the winner. It's just a matchup. I'm only playing this because Jordan Spieth's playing hurt. He's got a wrist injury. Who knows how he's going to perform? I don't think very well. There's always the chance that you start very slowly and then you withdraw. He could miss the cut. Give me Matsuyama minus 130 over Jordan Spieth. Saturday night here in Vegas, your boy's going to be ringside. We've got a lot going on. Main event, 
Devin Haney, minus 160 over Vasily Lomachenko. A lot of people aren't going to like that, that I'm betting against Lomachenko. Haney is 11 years younger. He's got five and a half inches of reach advantage. He's faster. He's going to stay on the outside. It's not going to be the most overly exciting fight because of the styles, but he's going to win by decision, minus 160. On the undercard, Ray Morataya. You've probably never heard of him. He's minus 200 against Jeremiah Nakatila. This is going to be the first fight on the ESPN pay-per-view. You are nailing these names. I think I, I've been practicing all day, and I'm actually not even sure if I'm getting them right. The only Sounds thing you need to do, to me. take Morataya, minus 200. I got a tip from a guy. That's all you need to know. Morataya, minus 200. My wife's coming to the fights with me. She wants to do dinner and the whole thing. I'm actually making her do a dinner that's earlier than she would normally do. She doesn't know why. you black shirt that's no longer black? It's gray because it's from circa 2008? No, suit. I wear suits to fights. I have steak dinners. (laughs) I drink fancy wine. No, that, that shirt... That shirt has been at fights before. I, it was at a fight with Fitz, believe it or not. Fitz and I went oh. to the third Fury Wilder fight. I wore it, so Fitz got oh. to be a part of that. You he, wore the Fury Wilder fight? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, number three. Number three. Fitz really wow. enjoyed it. So, quick recap here. So, we got off the track. Matsuyama, four-round matchup, minus 130 over Jordan Spieth. Devin Haney, by decision, minus 160. Ray Morataya, minus 200 over Jeremiah Nakatila. Jokic with one will rise. Contested triple. Goes home at the end of the third. A rainbow finding the pot of gold. The Denver Nuggets take the opener of the Western Conference Finals. 132-126 the final. Nick Hardy really nailed the production there for that pizza money, didn't you think, Joe? I mean, the first pizza money, the music, little too hot. But he was able to work his kinks out there. He was able to make it work. I was impressed. I thought he did an excellent job of executing the most basic task that we laid out in front of him. And I think moving forward, we might consider taking the training wheels off and giving him some other opportunities. Nick, job well done. We're proud of you. I do my best work when it's not involving hitting buns on this board. That's what I. That's where right, I thrive. Which is, which is quite literally right? your entire job as the board up in the show. Joan Amber is presented <laughs> by Progressive Insurance. So tonight, of course, Heat Celtics, 8.30 p.m. tip-off. Uh, coverage begins right here on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM in just about 10 minutes from now. Joe, you seemed very negative last segment about my Heat's chances overall. Like, I'm, if I'm picking up what you're putting down, I don't feel like you're believing in my Heat team. I don't want to root against you. I'm certainly not doing that. And I've lost quite a bit of money betting against the Heat throughout the course of this postseason. So the fact that I'm on them tonight plus eight and a half should probably be a bat signal that you should bet Boston in this game tonight. The thing I can't get over is I just watched Miami take the Knicks out in six games, shooting 43% from the field. That You don't need to know what that means. The only thing you need to understand about 43% from the field, it is atrocious. It is absolutely atrocious that you could shoot that way in a playoff series for six games and win the damn series four games to two. That speaks to how pathetic the Knicks were offensively. Now, part of that is because Miami played such exceptional defense. But what worries me is that Boston comes out, Miami can't hit some shots, Boston's feeling themselves a little bit, and then they just pull so far ahead that this one gets very ugly. So I'm rooting for your Heat. I love the fact that your team is still alive. I love the the the, the Miami Heat propaganda tour you're on across ESPN Radio. I'm your biggest champion. Go get them. Kill it. Crush it. I just, you know, I'm a little worrisome. You've got to be worried too, right? Uh, like, for, come on listen, now. 
I'm looking at the same things that everybody else is looking at on paper. I understand why our analytics department has the heat have a having a three percent chance of That's winning a bit this much. series. That's a little a extreme, but they're a just guy can get looking hurt. at it. Well, and they're just looking at it on paper. The thing is, you cannot evaluate this Heat team on paper because this is what the Heat have always done. I'm not just talking about this version of the Miami Heat. Go back to 2020, a very mediocre team in the regular season. They find themselves in an NBA Finals because of how they played in the postseason in the bubble. If you go back to last season, not in terms of seeding, but if you pull the advanced analytics, you're talking about like the sixth or seventh team in the conference last season, and yet they were one shot away, one shot away in a game seven from going to another NBA Finals. It's because the Heat in the regular season is a very different team than the Heat in the postseason, and despite what he says, playoff Jimmy is a very, very real thing. And so it's very hard to evaluate this team on paper because on paper typically takes into account what these teams did during the regular season. When we do that, this ain't even a contest, but it will in reality be a contest. And here's the reasons why it's going to be a contest. First of all, Boston coming off a of game seven, and that doesn't typically bode well for teams coming off a of game seven. So there is that Miami, a little bit more rest there. Also, Jimmy more time to heal because I don't think he was quite right in that New York Knicks series because of the ankle. Also, Eric Spolstra, he's the best coach in the NBA. Joe Missoula might end up being a heck of a coach. I have no idea. What I do know is he's a rookie head coach, Joe, and he makes you and I feel old, right? And Spo is going yes. to have an advantage with that championship pedigree and everything Spo has done and accomplished in this league and continues to do so. It's remarkable what he's done. He's been here so many times before. So that's a huge advantage, I think, to the Miami Heat. Also, the Heat have the best player on the court. You can argue with me about whether Jason Tatum, regular season Jason Tatum, is a better player than Jimmy Butler. We could have that argument if you want. What we can't have is an argument about postseason Jimmy Butler versus Jason Tatum. Like, playoff Jimmy is the best player on the court out of both of these teams. And typically the best player, the team with the best player on the court, even if there's only one of them, the team with the best player on the court wins games in the NBA, wins series in the NBA. And that's how it goes. So I feel pretty good about that. And then the other things that we discussed earlier in the show, the Heat, a good fourth quarter team, the Boston Celtics, traditionally not a very good fourth quarter team. And the fact that the Heat just kind of never go away and they wear you down and they wear you down and they wear you down. And we've seen the Celtics look a bit worn down at times. We just saw it against the 76ers, albeit Jason Tatum comes with a monster fourth quarter and unusually monster fourth quarter and gets it done there. Didn't Tatum just drop 50 on the Sixers in game seven? I just mentioned that. Yeah, you just mentioned that. Well, no, I, I, I'm i curious. Is Jimmy Butler the best player in this series? Yes. Nick and, Nick and James can jump in on this as well. Is, is Jimmy Butler the best player in this series? Yes. No. Yes. Interesting. And I, I'm assuming... Tatum is the answer for you as the no James? Correct. Yeah. It's right. Jason There's no one Tatum. else we would go with there. For right. sure, it's Tatum. I mean, if you pull the postseason analytics, like Jimmy Butler's a better player. Like, he just is overall. I mean, Jimmy Butler basically willed that team to beat the Bucks. I don't see Tatum being able to do that. Tatum has Except a lot for of the 50 he dropped well. in game seven to beat the Sixers. It was eight That's games, one game. Remember what, remember what Jimmy Butler did against the Bucks? The Bucks? All right. Who didn't make well, it out of the first round? Gabe, Vincent, and Max Drews. Give, give Jimmy Butler uh, Jalen Brown. He deserves his Marcus due. Smart. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I'm just, is it so uh, You made it sound very obvious. I like your confidence. Is it that obvious that Butler's the best player in this series? Jimmy, but postseason Jimmy Butler is like uh, darn near Michael Jordan at times when he feels like it. When he feels like it. People, right, and that's enough for today's show. He's going to feel like it tonight. That's, that's enough what for today's I'm saying. Show. Covered that's, right now. That's Eastern the show. Conference games once starts. That's it. This has been the Joe and Amber Podcast. 
You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.